We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us uh, another opportunity to study your word. And we pray, Lord, that as we study it together, that you would speak to us, Lord, that you would teach us and that you would save anyone here who might be hurting or just not uh, in right relationship with you, God. They would know that they're not too far, that you brought them here because you love them and you want to put the pieces of their life back together. Again, you want to give them abundant life. And I pray, Father, for even the Christians that are here that might be struggling. God, minister to us, uh, Lord, uh, help us to know your love. Uh, like never before, to return if necessary, Lord, I pray. We love you. Thank you so much that we can just seek you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we're in Daniel chapter 10. As we continue our journey through this book, and it's such a, a great lesson. I know I've never taught through the book of Daniel before. And I am so blessed in the things that the Lord has been teaching me. We read in verse 1, it says, In the third year of Cyrus, a king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. And so it's the third year of Cyrus, uh, uh, we see right there the king of Persia, and that's, so that's modern-day Iran. And more than likely, the year is right around 536 B.C. Now, it's been a couple of years since the Jews have uh, been set free from Babylon. And, uh, and so this is the setting. Um, Daniel writes this. He mentions his Babylonian name, Belteshazzar, which might indicate the fact that this is uh, an official document of some sort. But, you know, he says right here, and verse 1 is kind of a summary. He said the message was true, and the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the, of the vision. And so, you know, more than likely, verse 1 is a summary of what we're going to see now as we come to the end of the book of Daniel, uh, chapters 10 through 12. We're going to see 11 and 12. They're all one vision. It's towards the end of his life. Now, if Daniel got in Babylon, if he arrived in Babylon, we'll say maybe 12 years old, maybe 15 years old, right? We know he was a young guy. Okay, now he's been there for 70 years. Okay, so he, it's, he's been there for 72 years. And so, you know, he's 84 years old. Some say 85, some say 88. Okay, so uh, he's kind of an older guy. And he gives here kind of a summary of what the messages notice it says right there the it was appointed for uh, something that was long but the anointed appointed time was long and he understood the message okay now here's the thing okay as we get into it just kind of laying down the foundation um it's possible that the prophecies that we're going to study in chapters 11 and 12 are are you know for the end of the age but in the hebrew where it says long what it what it really means is a long troublesome time like before the time and and in one sense um that's kind of the the synopsis of what's happened to the jews 
You know, as, as Daniel was praying for his people, and we're going to see that, you guys, even as you should, we should be praying for Israel. We should be praying, I believe, for our family. We should be praying for our church, and we should be praying, praying for our nation. But as he's praying and he's seeking the Lord, we're going to see that the message comes. The message is true, but the message is this. The message is, hey, it's going to be a long time, and it's going to be a long, troublesome time. But then... In the end, we're going to have this great victory. And that's what we've seen with Israel, haven't we? I mean, when you study the nation of Israel, they have gone through some tremendous turmoil and tribulations and troubles and tragedies, right? And there's more ahead. But eventually, um, ultimately, they get the victory. And that, and let me just say that with you, because I think we need to be upfront about what it is to be a Christian. I think there's a misconception sometimes that, well, when I become a Christian, there's no more trials, there's no more troubles, there's no more tribulations, there's no more tragedies. And yet that really can't be the farthest thing from the truth because we still live in a fallen world with fallen bodies. We have the enemy who's a roaring lion and a serpent snake. Oh, yes, there will be troubling times here on earth, you guys. But, but don't lose heart because eventually those times are going to come to an end. And we're going to get the victory. You know, and hopefully it comes in the rapture. And I hope it happens right now. <laughs> Please, right now, Lord. <laughs> but if not, you know, Jesus promised in John sixteen thirty three, in this world you will have tribulation. But he said, cheer up because I've overcome the world. And so... You know, Daniel here, in just really just giving the synopsis, he gives the precept regarding Israel, but he also gives a principle for us as a church. And, and he says this in verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were determined so you know daniel kind of now backtracks and and he tells us what he was doing prior to this whole great revelation that's going to come in 11 and 12 and he says what i was doing was i was mourning i was mourning and he and he gives us kind of like the the way that that kind of played out is he was fasting and uh, he didn't eat anything it says right there uh, I, I I ate no pleasant food, and what that literally means is I didn't eat any food that I would that I desired. So you think of the way that we eat. Normally, that's all we eat, right? <laughs> you know, like when you're a kid and you didn't want peas, you're like oh, your your parents made you eat it, and now that you're older, you're so praise God, I don't have to eat what I don't want to eat, right? But now Daniel comes to a place where he says that the, all the food that I was eating was food that I didn't even want to eat. Like, you know, you want a double-double? Sorry, man, you can't have one. You know, you want nacho cheese Doritos? Sorry, you can't have. You got to actually eat bell peppers, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and whatever it might be, lima beans, you know. Um, and, and that's where Daniel was, right? And it says right there that he ate no pleasant food, no meat, you know, and, uh, and no wine. And we know back then... That was the drink. I mean, it was kind of like grape juice. So it was one-eighth less the wine than it is today. And so probably just drinking water, um, which wasn't all that good for you, but still, he's drinking water, no meat, no desirable food. And uh, it says right here he didn't anoint himself at all. He didn't um, 
put any lotion on. He didn't put any, uh, we would today, cologne or perfume or deodorant, okay? Some say he didn't bathe and he didn't shave and he just didn't comb his hair because he was mourning, you know? And, and you might wonder, well, why was he mourning? Like, who died? Well, what happened was this. You know, and it's interesting when you study the time frame of everything. Two years ago, he saw the declaration of Cyrus that said all the people, all the Jews could go back to the land. But what happened? Well, not that many went back. Only 48,000 out of the hundreds of thousands that were in bondage in Babylon, a small remnant went back. Now, Daniel didn't go back because he was too old at this time. But it just baffled him. Why wouldn't everybody go back? Why wouldn't all of God's people go back? And so he was brokenhearted over that. It's been two years now. And not only that, when they went back, the Bible says, and you can read in the book of Haggai, and you can cross-reference over in the book of Ezra chapter 4, that they just laid the foundation of the temple And then what happened was the Arabs and the Samaritans came against them and they started getting sidetracked building their own houses and they stopped building the temple. And so when you read the book of Haggai, that's really what it's all about. He says the problem, the reason why you got holes in your pockets, the reason why you don't have any funds is because you're not you're not really giving to the priorities. You're not rather than focusing on the work of the Lord and the house of the Lord, you're focusing on your own individual needs and god will never bless us financially if we do that and so you know daniel it was just devastating because man he wanted the the people to go back to the land because it was their land and he man he really wanted the people to rebuild the temple because that was where they would worship the lord and that's where they up the sacrifices of god and so when that didn't happen He just, he mourned. He fasted and he began to seek the Lord. Lord, it's been two years now and I just, I just don't get it. And, and what you find you guys in reading this and it was eventually we're going to see that God answered his prayer. Uh, 15 years later, they would begin to rebuild the temple. And then about five years after that, eventually in 516 BC, the temple would be rebuilt. And I believe part of it is because of this. Because of Daniel's prayer. So you look at our nation today. You look at your family today. You look at the church today. And you might think, well, there's no hope. You might think someone's died. You might think it's over. And you might think this, well, I can't make a difference because I'm just one. But... Thank God that Daniel didn't think that. Thank God that Daniel didn't give up. Thank God that Daniel decided to seek the Lord. And in doing so, he did it with all of his heart. And he was willing to deny himself and mourn and fast and no meat and no wine. And Lord, I'm not, you know, if these guys cannot shave until they win in a Stanley Cup. You know, why can't we do things like that? You know, to where you're really serious about this. You know, I want you to know and let it be loud and let it be clear that you can make a difference 
in your family. And you can make a difference in your church, in the church, that you, individual person here today, you can change our nation. And my, how our nation needs to be changed. We are living in a world, we are living in a nation that is just so different and so off track and so wrong to the point where, where will we be in 10 years? I mean, you go to bed and you feel safe. In 10 years, when your kids go to bed, will they feel safe? Our world is changing. You know, Europe is Islamic. And it's, it, it, if they have their way, they will, they will raise the, their Islamic flag at our White House. I mean, for us, not only that, I mean, just moral decay as a whole. And all I'm saying is that when I read Daniel right here and I read what he began to do as an individual, and then I read eventually, you know, 20 years later, the temple was rebuilt. And then I read how he wrote the book of the Bible that would encourage the people of his day and would even encourage the Jews today and would encourage us today. I'm, I'm just struck with the reality that one man can make a difference when he loves God. If you love God, then you're going to love the people of God. And there's no limits to what Almighty God can do. And so, you know, Daniel is here and uh, he's fasting. And I just pray that you would know a cause to fast and seek the Lord, the church, the family. Maybe there's an individual, our country, Israel. I believe that Daniel was mourning for that, seeking the Lord. And not only that, um, there's probably more in that he wanted to understand. And we're going to see the word understand a lot here. God, I want to understand these visions. God, I want to understand your word, right? And he wanted to understand more about the visions and prophecies that he had already received and that he longed for. And God would then, we're going to see in the book of Daniel, reveal additional truth to him about the future of Israel. Even though Daniel was an old man, it wasn't over. You see, God laid a burden on his heart because Daniel fasted and prayed. We're studying his prophecies today. May the Lord, I like what Warren Wiersbe said, may the Lord help us to leave something behind in the journey of life so that those who come after us will be encouraged and helped along the way. And I pray that you would have a heart to leave a legacy should the Lord tarry. That's what Daniel had that heart to do. And so he began to really seek the Lord. And in the end of the day, I think Daniel just really cared. You know, we read the book of Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 5. It says, uh, regarding uh, um, these guys, Jeremiah, who really cared, he said that question, for who will have pity on you, O Jerusalem? Or who will bemoan you? Or who will turn aside to ask how you are doing? How are things in Jerusalem? How are things in Israel? How are things in our country? How are things in your family? And you see that individual, who will care enough to really ask, how are you? 
Nehemiah asked that question. How is things going in Jerusalem? And when he found out, he went over there and they rebuilt the walls and he made a difference. Daniel was undoubtedly getting reports. And when he got these reports that they're only, you know, a fraction we're going back to the land and, and, and they're not doing anything. They're not seeking the Lord anymore. It was like, wow, what a wasted opportunity. So, you know, he cared enough, you know, to ask. And he cried and he cried and he prayed and he made a difference. And here's the thing. When God's people are in captivity, the spirit will, I believe, lead us to fast and seek him to understand his word But here's the thing. I think God's calling us to fast. I think God's calling us to make a difference. Um, I had to tell my wife, and I'm praying. And the only reason I say this to you guys is because um, sometimes people need need someone to take them by the hand and say, hey, you know, here's a way that you apply the Bible. Um, To fast, I told her, okay, on Thursday, um, I'm not going to eat any food. And she's, okay, that's good for you. You know, you don't, you probably shouldn't, right? (laughs) But then I had to also tell her there's not going to be any screen time. And so what that means is no computer, no TV, no phone, no iPad, nothing. Like old-fashioned, like the way people used to live, you know? <laughs> and because uh, and, and and, of why? Because I, I'm aware of it. I hope you guys are aware of it. I see marriages that are struggling. I see my, my, my brothers and my sisters that are struggling. And I could get my hands in it, but what can I do? Compared to what God can do. And that's why I got to fast. I got to really fast. I got to really seek the Lord. And, you know, so food, nah, that's probably an issue. You deny the flesh. But for, for some, it's not a big deal. But, oh, man, the, you take away the phone. Ooh, man. Now you're talking, man. Here's the question. Can you live? <laughs> and, of course, we know the answer is, is yes. And the Lord will show you. You know, I don't know what it might be in your life, but... You know, Daniel had the heart. He cared. And I believe the Lord is calling us to that place. But many times we're not listening. Amos speaks of this. In Amos chapter 6, verse 6, it says, Who drink wine from bowls and anoint yourselves with the best ointments, but are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. So they're not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. And so they're still drinking wine and they're still eating bowls and they're still... Doing everything they, nothing, nothing, nothing's changed. And it's, I guess, because they're not really grieved. You know, we got to have it in our hearts, you guys, to take these lessons that we're learning from Daniel and others and, and just seek the Lord with all our hearts. Daniel's fasting and Daniel's just pressing into the presence of the Lord, even though he's 85 years old. And you might be here. I don't know if there's anyone here 85. I don't think so. You all look much younger than that. Well, actually, maybe maybe our brother George here. But he's right around that age. And here he is in the front row <laughs> seeking the Lord. And so you, whatever you do, don't think you're too old. And whatever you do, Daniel's a lesson for us. Don't think you're too young. Like we said earlier, he started maybe 12 years old, maybe 15 years old. He was a young whippersnapper when God began to use his life. All it requires is an individual who says, Lord, I love you. Lord, I'm yours. That's all. And when he finds someone like that, he's going to work in you and he's going to work through you. You know, if ever there was a time to relax uh, for Daniel and typical thinking, it would be now. But he didn't do it. Uh, He launches into a fast for three weeks 
And what does he do? Well, he seeks the Lord. And so we read in verse 4. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked. And behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Euphaz. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, and his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. So, so Daniel's mourning. Daniel is seeking the Lord. And what happens? Uh, this is what I believe. I believe that Jesus came to him. I believe that Jesus appeared to him. And when you think about that, you're like, wow, what, what an awesome thought. You know, as we go through this section right here, and as you read different commentaries and hear different teachings on it, no one can be 100% sure who this is. Some say it's an angel. Uh, some say it's Gabriel. Um, and, and, and some say it's Jesus all the way through. I believe in Daniel chapter 10. I, I, I agree with Pastor Chuck and Warren Wiersbe and others who say it's not just one, it's two. So first, Jesus appears and then we're going to see later on that Daniel is actually dealing with an angel. First of all, we see, however, that it's Jesus. And when you look at verses 4 through 6, um, you see um, the parallel over in Revelation chapter 1 when Jesus appeared to John. I mean, there he is. If you can visualize it, he's clothed in linen. He has the golden band uh, from Euphaz, which in those days was considered to be the best gold. It was pure gold. Um, and his body, it's interesting, it says was like beryl. And so I don't know how you can have a body that looks like a, a jewel or a precious gem or, or topaz or a yellow jasper, but that's what yeah, we see here. And, and then we see, notice it says um, his face in verse 6, like the appearance of lightning. And so the New Living Translation says it was flashing like lightning, Okay. And then it says right here that um, his uh, eyes were like torches of fire. Think about that. And then his arms and his, and his legs were like this burnished, uh, polished brass. And, and, and then you go over the book of Revelation and, and you see the same thing. Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 through 17. You know, and so I'm pretty sure that this is Jesus. And you might ask, well, why did Jesus come? Well, when you read the Old Testament, you see different stories and different times when Jesus came. In the biblical account of salvation history, you find that Christ appears to his servants at special times to deliver messages that are special and to prepare them for unique ministries. It's usually him appearing in compatibility with their circumstances. For example, when Jesus came to Abraham, who was a pilgrim, 
Jesus himself in Genesis 18 came as a traveler. When Jesus appeared to Jacob, who was a schemer, you read in Genesis 32 that Jesus came as a wrestler because Jacob was one of those wrestlers as well, right? When Jesus came to Joshua in Joshua chapter 5, as they were about to conquer Jericho, Jesus came as a soldier, you know, as the captain of the army of the Lord of hosts. When Jesus came to Isaiah in the year that King Uzziah died, Jesus came as the king in Isaiah 6 sitting on the throne. And so here he is now, and it's interesting because Daniel and, and John, in the book of Revelation, they have the parallel revelations, and they both have similar visions of Jesus. And when Jesus appears, and to me, when I think of that, I think, wow, Lord, that would be so cool. How many of you here would like to see this? I mean, wouldn't that be so cool? <laughs> but you know what? You don't have to see it to know it, that even though you can't see Jesus, he's here. And God is doing such a great work of salvation. You guys know that the Father is the executive producer, that the Holy Spirit is the director, and Jesus Christ is the superstar. You guys know that, right? And he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we can't, we can't see him now. One day we'll see him. But we know him and we know he's with us. And when you look at this right here, it's just so beautiful. And, and, and when Daniel sees this, this vision, it says in verse 7, I alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they, they fled to hide themselves. Now, earlier it talked about the voice was like a multitude. and Revelation 1, it says the voice is like the oceans. And so it... It freaked them out. The other guys, they got really uh, afraid. And so they split. And so Daniel here is left alone. And that's kind of similar to the same thing that happened to the apostle Paul, formerly known as Saul, in Acts chapter 9. Remember when Jesus appeared to him, brighter than the sun, on noon and uh, on the way to Damascus. And it, it says that, you know, he was the only one that, that saw and heard. It was just intended only for him. This is here intended only for Daniel. And then it says right there that when it happened, look at verse 8, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me. So you want to see Jesus. Of course, I would love to see Jesus, but you guys know what would happen if we saw even just a glimpse of his glory. We would all be plastado right there. And this, what, that's what this word means in the Hebrew, plastado. It really does mean that. It means he's flat. He's absolutely flat, overwhelmed on the ground. And that's what we see. No strength, he says, in my vigor, it just, it was turned into frailty. Literally, my splendor was turned into ruin. Or like Pastor Chuck said, my comeliness was turned into corruption. My beauty went real bad. 
Because that's what happens when we're really in the presence of the Lord. Even Daniel, and there's no doubt in my mind that Daniel was such a a godly man. But that's only when you compare him to man. And that's something that we have to be so careful of. You know, that, that, that we know that the best of men are men at best. And, and when Daniel was in the presence of God, it just, it, he saw his sin like Isaiah 6. When he saw the Lord high and lifted up in his glory, the Bible says Isaiah, again, another godly man who was a prophet, he said, Woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He says, for my eyes have seen the Lord. And he, he said, when he said, I'm undone, he said, I'm cut off. I'm, I'm going to die right now. And, and that's why it's important to, to, and I really encourage you to really cultivate the presence of God in your life. Because if you can't be proud and have the presence of God in your life. Because the presence of God, the person of God, is what will humble us. Because I know that pride is the root of all sin. Why do I get mad at my wife when she tells me to pick up my socks? You guys know it's pride. Who would pick up my socks? I work, you should pick up the socks, you know? (laughs) And, you know, we can justify it all we want, but the test of a servant is how does he act when he's treated like one? You can say you're a servant till you're blue in the face, but then when you're in the situation, then the truth comes out. All I know is that we have to try to, to be in the presence of God because then we were humbled. And not only that, we have to be so careful that we don't compare ourselves with other men for a number of reasons. Because God doesn't grade on a curve. You know, you cannot compare yourself to that person. You don't know what they went through when they were growing up. You don't know what their DNA is, what, they're, what they've experienced in life and the way that they're knit together. Not only that, you don't know their personal convictions because God is dealing with all of us in different ways and their personal convictions might be different than yours. We just can't compare ourselves to people. It doesn't do any good. Or you might be better than that person or you might think you're better than that person. But in all reality, the Lord knows you and the Lord knows what you're accountable for. And my encouragement to you, and just like the Lord told John in John chapter 21, verse 22, don't worry about him. The Lord told Peter, don't worry about him. You just follow me. And, and when we get in the presence of the Lord, you know, he, he just brings us to that place where we're aplastado, we're on the ground. And it's a great, it's a great place to be. It really is. And so Daniel... You know, when this happened, um, he heard the words. He was, it says in verse 9, in a deep sleep on his face. And some say maybe he, he passed out or he fainted. But at the same time, able to hear like the voice. I don't know what Jesus was speaking over him at this time. But I believe Jesus was speaking over him at this time, right? And then we read in verse 10, and suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees. And now, more than likely, it's an angel. So now he's touched by an angel, just like the TV program, right? And right there, and he made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And you know what that means right there in verse 10? It means that when the angel touched him, 
he got up and he was now he was at least on his hands and knees. So it kind of lifted him up a little bit, man, you know? And then he said to me, O Daniel, man, greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. And then he said, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. And so, you know, the angel comes now, touches him, kind of lifts him up a little bit. Now at least he's on his hands and, and, and knees. And he just begins to speak to him. And in, in, in essence, this is really what is going on here, you guys. He's trying to bring Daniel to the place where he can hear. Where he can just hear. And I, and I, when I, and I thought of that, I just, my, my heart, it just, it resonated within me. And I, I even, I, I'm, I just think of the church and I think of you. Because I think most of the time we're thinking, okay, God, bring me to a place where I can do. And that's great. But before we can do, I think we have to come to a place where we can hear. Where we can begin to understand. Daniel's really afraid right now because God had to bring him to that place of humility. But after God humbles him, then God begins to lift him up. And that is what's required in our own life. You know, before God will ever make us, he has to break us. Before God can ever do anything that would be according to his will through our life, he has to break us of our own will. And we have to come to the place where we don't just go out marching. First, we hear the voice of God. And first, we hear the marching orders. And so that's what Daniel was doing. You know, he's coming now to that place and, and the angel's lifting him up and God is using him. Even as the angels, they strengthened Christ after he fasted for 40 days. Angels are amazing creatures. I can't wait to see them. We'll see what they're able to do. And I'm sure many of you have experienced them even in your life. But he said, I want you to understand these words. Here's something that's so cool. In verse 11, he said to me, O Daniel, man, greatly beloved. Greatly beloved. Now, here's something that you got to know. An angel would never say a single word that God would not have first put in his mouth. This angel is relaying a message from Almighty God. He's careful with his words, and he says, well, this is what God wants me to tell you. You are greatly beloved. He loves you. And you know, that's so important. That, that's what changes everything. I've told you guys many times, you know, 
The fear of God will change you from the outside, but the love of God will change you from the inside. And the more you know God and his love for you, that never changes. I think then you're, you're going to start loving him back. And once you love him back, then everything falls into place. Other translations say you are highly esteemed. Now the world, they, they really, you know, they know the value of self-esteem. You know, you go and you take your psychology classes and they talk a lot about that self-esteem. And I would just tag on that. Your, your self-esteem, however, is found in God-esteem. That God loves you. That's why one version says you're highly esteemed. Another version says you are of great value. That's the uh, the New English translation. And, and, you know, if you were the only one out of all the world, that wh- whoever lived, of all the billions of people, if you were the only one that received Christ, he would have still died for you. You are greatly beloved. You are highly esteemed. You are of great value. And then one translation says you are precious to God. Right? We ought to know this. The Song of Solomon says, hey, I am my beloved's and my his desire is towards me. We saw something similar back in Daniel 9 verse 23. You're greatly beloved and we'll see it again. So three times in Daniel, and that means, hey, it's true. Confirmation, right? The third witness. But just in case you're here today and you're saying, well, um, he was a great man. No wonder an angel came to Daniel because he's loved by God. But me? I'm weak and I'm wretched and I struggle. And the Lord would never speak to me or be able to use me like he did Daniel. But here's the interesting thing. This angel, and I believe it was Gabriel, okay? Because Gabriel was the one that was talking to Daniel. Gabriel was the one in the mix right here. Gabriel then one day would go over to Mary. And he would tell Mary the same thing, right? Highly favored one. Now, it's interesting. When you study the Septuagint, which is the Greek language of the Old Testament, it's the same thing. So Gabriel's telling Daniel, and then Gabriel tells Mary, highly favored one. But that word in the Greek, you guys know the New Testament was written in Greek, is only found one other time in the Bible. You want to know where? Highly favored one to Mary, and then over in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. And then guess who he's talking to there? The whole church. And you know what he said? You are accepted in the beloved. Because in God's love in Jesus Christ, you are accepted. So just in case you're thinking, well, no, that's just for Daniel. No, it's not. It's for men. It's for women, Mary, Daniel. It's for the whole church. And the Lord says, hey, let me premise my message by saying this, because you won't get anywhere until you understand this. And so you've got nothing to be afraid of. That's why he says right there, do not fear. I need to talk to you. (laughs) Don't fear, you know, because God loves you. Do not fear. We find that 11 times in the Bible. Don't be afraid 48 times. Uh, Do not fear 51 times from what I understand, the most common command in the Bible. And and the angel says, you know what? Um, From the first day, look at verse 11, that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God. That, That first day, man, I was sent. 
And you know, the moment we pray, God hears our prayers from the very first day. And you're like, wow, Lord, it's been 21 days. It's been 21 weeks and I'm still not married. It's been 21 years or whatever the desire of your heart is, you know. And, and God, you know what? The moment you pray, the answer is on the way. But in God's perfect timing, right? And what we find is the Lord hears our cries. I was talking to a guy uh, yesterday. When his job is he goes and he travels. And part of his job is he's part of the team that goes and puts cameras up everywhere. So you guys know there are cameras everywhere, right? So what do you think? Is that good or bad? As long as they're not in the restrooms, right? <laughs> in the changing rooms, you know? But it was funny because we were talking with other, one of the brothers and he said, you know what? There's always a camera. It's God's camera. Huh. You guys know he's always watching us, right? And so he's always watching us and he's always hearing us. Know that. Just know that when you pray. And he says, from the first day when you prayed, I was sent to answer. But here's something interesting, because then the veil is torn into the spiritual dimension. And he says, I was on my way to help you. I was on my way to give you a message. I was on my way to speak to you. But for 21 days, the prince of Persia, that's modern day Iran, he withstood me. And there was a battle going on, more than likely between Gabriel and the prince of Persia, which is, now we know, a demonic being that somehow has that delegated authority from the devil himself, according to Luke 4, verse 6, to you know, oversee things going on in Iran, in Persia. And, and so there was this battle going on. And so, you know... A lot of things to consider. The moment I pray, uh, God hears, but there's a spiritual battle going on. And that's why you have to make sure that you don't fight your battles uh, with carnal weapons. Uh, The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. And so, you know, Chuck Smith, I was reading a story and he was talking about how um, what would happen is he would be at home studying and uh, he said it never failed. And it was almost like clockwork, where when he started studying, the kids started fighting. And they started bickering, and they started, he said, backbiting, and they started throwing punches. I mean, you know, just growing up, right? And so he said that he would just, he would eventually get up, man, and he'd go in there, man, and he'd clean house, you know, and he would just, it would, you know, take care of business. But he, he just talked about how it was, it was, it was just threw him off. It threw him out of sync. He was now kind of like no longer in the spirit. And it was, you know, really just not good until what happened one day. He said is that instead of getting up and, and going and, you know, physically getting involved, he just said, I prayed. And he even said, I claim authority over this situation in Jesus' name. Lord, I claim victory from my children. I bind, Lord, you bind the evil one who is creating disharmony and and disunity in my home. And he began to pray. And he said that, sure enough, he said, next thing you know, they went outside and they played baseball. (laughs) That's what happens. See, there's, this, there's, this, there's things going on right here. We can't see them. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And so, you know, you try to get physically involved, 
you know, you might give a, a superficial solution, but when you want it to be a real answer from the Almighty, you got to get down on your knees. And then from there, maybe God will lead you to other things, but it must at least start with us seeking the Lord in such a way. And so, 21 days, think about that. And so we read in verse 15 that when he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And then suddenly one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. And then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him. Now it's interesting to me that first he gathers his strength to stand. And then he gathers his strength to hear. And then he gathers his strength to speak. And so he says, my Lord, because of the visions, my sorrows have overwhelmed me and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. And so the whole experience is overwhelming. You know, that's what happens when it's real. And so he says in verse 18, then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O oh man, here's the third time, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Strong. Be strong. Yes, be strong. And so when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. And it's just so beautiful to see just the, the journey of Daniel being humbled being broken, being in the presence of God. But then God, using his messengers, and I believe, and this is what I always pray for my family and the flock, Lord, teach them, and Lord, touch them, right? And that's what the angel's doing right here, and he's strengthening him, right? He's at the end of his life. He doesn't know if he could finish the race, but you know what? The angel, the Lord, God will allow us all to finish our race, finish our race. And so then he said to him, do you know why I've come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. And that's the Bible that no one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. And so in 11 and 12, chapters in 11 and 12, and Lord willing, we're going to look at the prophecies Right? And he's just saying that that's why I'm coming. I'm going to give you a message, but then I have to go back, and the war's not over. And so, how many times do we get a victory and we think, yay, no more battles? You guys ever do that? <laughs> and this guy, you know, this angel, he says, I got to go back and I got to fight again. And I, I just want to tell you guys that's just the way it is. When will your fight be over? Your fight will be over when you get raptured. Your fight will be over when you die. Paul the Apostle said in 1 Timothy, I want you to fight the good fight. And then in 2 Timothy, at the end of his life, he says, I have fought the good fight. And it's a good fight, okay? Don't go fighting bad fights, all right? And then we read in Nehemiah 4.14 how we are supposed to fight. We fight for our family. We fight for our country. We got to fight. We have to make sure we do these things. Right here, it's so cool to, we, to see the way that Daniel stood in the gap for his nation, Israel. And I believe because of Daniel, that Israel prevails as a nation even today. And so you might wonder, well, why, why is it just Israel? 
While Israel is important, God said in Genesis 12, 3, you bless Israel, you're going to get blessed. Right? And so Israel is important, but why? Well, there's a big reason why. And uh, it just reminds me of the story that happened to me last night, and I'll close with this. Last night I went home. It was, I don't know, maybe eight thirty, nine o'clock. And I pulled in my driveway, and as soon as I opened my door, it was a trip. This is such a trip. A big dog, a big dog came up, and he started licking my arm. He was a big dog, but he was a friendly dog, thank God. All right? <laughs> And so I look at the dog. I say, hey, buddy, what are you doing here, you know? <laughs> and I got out of my truck. And as soon as I got out of my truck, you know what this big dog did? He jumped into my truck. <laughs> he jumped in, and he turns around, and I'm looking at him now, and he's across my front seat looking right at me. His tail, you know, his tongue's hanging out. His tail's wagging. I'm like, hey, buddy, you know, c- come out of my truck. <laughs> And he, you know what he did? He just laid down in my truck. And he had a big old tail, and I could hear it just swinging in the truck, right? And so I'm not afraid anymore, and I was just busting up. I was telling Shelly because she came out. She said, watch out for the dog. And I was just like, oh, this is so funny. It was the funniest thing, you know? And so um, probably about, you know, I don't know. It took a while. It took a while. There were actually two dogs and they jumped over the fence from the backyard. And, um, and so one was in my truck and the other wasn't. And so eventually it came out of the truck. And then what happened was they made a beeline to our front door. And I'm serious. It's like they wanted to come into our house. And so, you know, I, I, was, I was like, wow. Um, eventually, um, our, our neighbor, their dogs, I guess they get out every once in a while. And so... Um, I was trying to figure out, Lord, what what does all this mean? And, uh, it, you know, it might not mean anything. But then I really felt like the Lord ministered to me. And I'm just going to close with this, you guys. Because whether or not it meant this or not, I know the truth is the truth. And that is this, that, that in the Bible, you know, dogs are, are Gentiles. I mean, I remember the first time someone called me dog. Hey, dog. And, uh... <laughs> At first, I was like, that's not good, huh? But um, I don't know if it's good or bad now, but I do know that in the Bible, that's who we are, the Gentiles. We're the non-Jews. And, and then I was just trying to just f- and then finish all this up, and the Lord said, well, Daniel was one of the Jews to be blessed because it's through them that the whole world gets blessed. And the reason why I want them to be blessed is because I want the whole world to be blessed and, and and what I want you to do, Manny, is like that dog, okay? Because you're a Gentile, right? I want you to jump over the fence that you need to jump over, okay? And then what I want you to do is I want you to pursue me, Jesus said, like that dog did. And when you go and you, and the Bible says in Psalm 2, it says, kiss the Lord, right? Kiss him. And then... You know, you go into his, his his truck or whatever, you know, and and make yourself at home. And you go into his house. You be like that dog, not the other dog, because there were two dogs. One came in and one didn't. And I know it's a funny story, and maybe I'm over-spiritualizing it, but I think that's how the Lord is. 
His door is open. His heart is open. He loves you. And, and it's like he's always there. He's always inviting us. But it's just up to us. It's up to us. And I want to, I just pray that, that we would just go, go for it. Just go for it. Go into his house and fellowship with him. Because he loves you so much. I know some of you here, you already know the Lord. And I pray we go deeper. And just, you'd be blessed. And your relationship with him, as some of you here, maybe you don't. And maybe you find yourself struggling. Because that's what happens without the Lord. Our life will always digress. But it's only so that he could rescue you. All you got to do is come to him. And so I pray that today that you would. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your love and your grace. And uh, thank you for saving the Jews, giving us a Bible through them, giving us a, a Messiah through them. But we know it was only because that it was through them that you want to save the rest of the world, even people like us, even a Gentile um, person like me, dog like me. But I just thank you that I am loved, and I know that, Lord. And I pray that every person here would know that they are loved. And when I think of our nation and I think of our families, you know, we can get political, and and yes, we need to do certain things. But I know the only thing that will really save our families and our nation is when there is a revival. When there is a revival in the church. When there is a revival in my heart. And so, Lord, I pray that today... We would experience that revival. Teach us and touch us. I would ask by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, bind the evil one. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name for the blood of Christ to cover our church. And I pray, Father, because you know, Lord, you know the strategies of Satan and you know our enemies by name. I pray you would crush them. And you would give us, Lord, a practical victory in our lives. Bless your beautiful people. Let them know of your unconditional love and of your unchanging presence. Jesus, be exalted. I pray in Jesus' name. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.